This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hello, this is Dr. Judy Cook, welcoming you to Shrink Wrapped, a place where you can learn skills to shrink away the things that are troubling you, wrap yourself in more enjoyment, and truly find more rapture just in the fact that you are alive in this fabulous universe. Today we're going to focus on a question someone recently asked me. Does changing your thoughts really help change your feelings? That's a very good and timely question, and the answer is very important for today's society. And as a psychiatrist, with 40 years of experience helping people, the answer is a resounding yes. So let me ask you, do you find yourself a lot less happy than you'd like to be? Does it seem like everything in the world is getting worse and you don't know what to do about it? that the only news out there is bad news? Would you like to quickly learn a few skills that would help you deal with the negativity that keeps getting thrown at us out in the world? If so, you're in the right place. If you'd rather wait for those other 7 billion people to learn new skills to make your life better, this isn't the place for you. It is really important to realize how thoughts affect your feelings. If you are looking at things and thinking about how bad they are, or that everything is going wrong, or you're feeling overwhelmed, what happens to your mood? It doesn't get better, does it? And if you talk about it with other people who are also looking for the bad stuff, you can quickly draw them in, and they will add to the misery so that everyone can even feel worse. You can just sit there and heap up the negative thoughts, and all of you just start feeling worse and worse and worse. On the other hand, if you start looking at what is right in the world and the things to be grateful for, your mood comes up. If you can't think of positive things, it's not because they aren't there. You've just had too much practice or training or both at looking for negatives instead of positives. The good news here is that it is a learned behavior, which means you can learn something new to take its place. Just as an analogy to help clarify that, if you were driving down the road and looking for how many red cars are there, will you then be aware of how many white or green or black or blue ones are there? You won't be aware. Not because they aren't there, but because you don't have your wonderful brain focused on looking for them. Change that focus and what you see. It's just that simple and that complicated at the same time. The world is filled with a full array of things, good, bad, and indifferent, just like it's full of cars of different colors or flowers of different types, different weather, and so on. We choose, for whatever reason, not only which ones we look for, but often whether to look at something as good or bad. For example, most people really like or even love roses. But I once had a patient who not only hated them, but when her husband would bring them to her, She felt he was giving her a hate message, and she was enraged at him. She had not, however, shared with him how she felt about them, and he thought he was giving her an I love you message. That was his intention. It was amazing what happened when there was a little open sharing about feelings and what was going on, and it brought a dramatic improvement in her problems and the marriage. 
Although the statistics for many kinds of bad things happening in this country and in the world are actually showing a decrease in events, the job of the media is to seek those events out all over the world and bring them right into your living room via your newspaper, your computer, your cell phone, and they do it extremely well. That input, along with lifestyle changes over the last 50 years, so that we don't spend as much time talking directly to friends and neighbors and family, getting an alternate viewpoint, gives an impression that things are getting worse. The truly bad news out there, out of all of that, is the impact happening to our physical and emotional health because of that appearance via the media that things are getting much worse. We're seeing more depression, more suicides, more substance abuse, even an increase in many medical problems because our physical health is impacted by our emotional health. So we really do need some guidance in how to cope with all of this if we're going to be not only happy, but healthy. As a part of taking control of how we see things, we need to recognize the following which is there are many things we can take charge of and change. There are some things we cannot change, but we can change how we look at them. There are some things we can avoid. And there are some things we have to deal with, but learn not to take it personally. Let's take a simple approach to dealing with all of this and look at seven skills we can use, all starting with an R, and no, not reading, writing, or arithmetic. These are seven skills that will help you not only cope with a difficult situation, but learn to handle it in a different way so it not only doesn't have a bad effect on you, but it might even have a good effect. You first start by relaxing so it's easier to redirect your thoughts. And then your other options include remove yourself from the possible cause of the problems, or refocus your thoughts to something totally different, reframe things to see them from a different viewpoint, Recognize the right things that are happening in your life so that you can be grateful for and focus on them. And finally, receive any adverse or even irritating situation that comes your way and see it as a chance to learn and grow rather than just another reason to suffer. Let's first take a few minutes to talk about relaxation. Although that might sound a bit far away from the topic of changing your thoughts, It really helps you clear your mind and garner some energy to focus on the task of changing thoughts and feelings. Many people are steeped in the idea that to fix a given problem, whether it's issues at home, workloads at your job, dedication to a principal or whatever, you need to work longer and harder and not waste your time doing things that are fun and relaxing. They have the idea that the longer and harder the work, the more they accomplish, and they must keep their nose to the grindstone. Because of this, people often don't take breaks in what they're doing, whether at home or at work. On the job, they may work overtime, either deliberately or because they feel they have to or are pressured into it. And they often put off vacations, storing up that time, and sometimes either losing it or just taking money for it. Yet even back in the Middle Ages, there was an awareness that working too much and not taking time to relax was detrimental. This is not New Age information. That viewpoint has fluctuated through the centuries and especially became an issue after companies came along that did 24-hour-a-day shift work. 
Henry Ford, however, who was doing that kind of work, was quite aware that paying his employees more and working shorter hours so they took time to relax, play, and sleep increased his overall production profits, so it was a win for everybody. Not taking time for R&R is a bit like having something run by a rechargeable battery and never taking time to recharge it. Relaxation, which includes taking breaks, taking vacations, exercising, meditating, reading, playing, spending time with friends and loved ones, or anything else that's pleasurable and relaxing for you, is every bit as important as working and as getting adequate sleep, another area where many people are not looking out for their best interests. Neither mind nor body work as well when they are overly tired or stressed. And although pushing yourself at times for a specific goal can be rewarding and even increase skills and endurance, reason and moderation need to be employed. If you are working yourself into exhaustion, it will be hard to focus on making positive changes in your thoughts and feelings. Our next R is remove yourself from the probable cause of the problems, if that's possible. Very often, our stress appears related to someone or something that you're not really in control of. This might be the news, your boss, your job situation, a family member, a hostile situation arising somewhere that you are at the moment. You are usually in control of whether you feel you have to stay there and take the abuse or look for other options. Something like the ever-negative news or music you don't like are very simple. You just turn it off or change the station. If you're in someone else's place, you might ask if it could be changed, and if that won't happen, consider other options. Leave the room. Do like you did as a teenager with your parents, and just tune it out. Or use something to plug your ears for a while. If it's TV or some other negative visual, you are not obligated to watch that either. You can leave the scene physically, or you can close your eyes. Think solution and you'll find one. If it's a work situation, there are numerous ways to approach things up to and including looking for another job that you feel better suits you. If it's a corporate mindset, you may well need to leave as it may not change. If it's an interpersonal conflict, you can often change things just by beginning to make a positive set of assumptions about the negative person, go out of your way to be nice to them, and expect that to be reciprocated, and that may well happen. Continuing to feel like they're just a sorry human being out to make your life miserable, just looking for trouble, your body language will convey that you're looking for a fight, and behold, one will probably occur. The easiest way to start a war of any size is to start acting toward the other entity as if they're out to get you and make threats that you're going to get them first. If it's a person who just constantly focuses on negative things, try taking anything they say and look for the positive aspects of it. They may be willing to look at it that way. They may want to argue with you, in which case, just say okay, walk away, and don't stick around for continued irritation. Your focus on the positives also may drive them away, as they may realize you're not willing to play with them in the negative sand pile, which is also a win for you. Even if it's a family member, you still don't have to stand there and take the abuse. 
You can excuse yourself by saying you have some other activity or change how you relate to them, just like in the above situations. Or if it's a really negative, toxic situation, minimize contact with the family until such time as you have worked through your issues well enough that the family no longer bothers you when you are around their stuff because you don't take it into yourself and you no longer take it personally. You realize they are just being themselves. I clearly remember with my own family how negative things were all the way through my going to medical school an active part of the family. Then I got into therapy. And instead of getting ulcers in my mouth from the stress of going home for Christmas, I could stand back and handle things in a different way. I didn't let them get to me. At one point, Mom and her mother were arguing fiercely about whether something had happened at 8 or 8.15, 20 years ago. And when I asked, what difference does it make? They were furious for a moment and turned on me and then calmed down. They realized it wouldn't change the past. With my new abilities to make simple interventions like that, my mother and I both had the first happy Christmas either of us could remember. I never accepted their invitation into an unpleasant place again, and life around the family became totally different. The next R is to learn to redirect and refocus your thoughts to something totally different. No matter what you might be thinking, you can interrupt yourself and decide to think about something else. You might do it by simply looking around where you are and start focusing on something you like, or a pet, or the birds singing outdoors. You can also talk to yourself with something like, that's interesting, now what's the opposite of that? And purposely redirect your thoughts there. Do not spend a lot of time focusing on the negative thoughts. Don't argue with them or apologize to yourself for them or rationalize them or do anything other than maybe thank them for sharing their opinion and move on to refocus on a more pleasant thought or observation. As you begin to practice this skill, you can also begin to look at seemingly adverse things happening in the world and look for what good things might be coming out of them because there will always be some gains if you look for them, even in tragic situations. This process can be an extremely helpful one for you, especially that issue of just going to the opposite thought from whatever is upsetting you. And you might try adding a focus on how good you are feeling with the new positive thoughts. Our current president is a pro at aiming things in different directions, especially any criticism aimed at him. He doesn't allow himself to feel bad. He directs focus and blame onto someone else. I'd like to see him do it in a more positive fashion, but nonetheless, he is a vivid example of doing that. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we will talk about how to use some of these other skills to take charge of making your own life better for you. You're listening to the EWN Podcast Network. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at EWNpodcastnetwork.com.
Welcome back to the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome back to Shrink Wrapped, where you are learning new skills to take those things that stress and upset you and remove them from your life and replace them with something better. How to turn that trash into treasure. Our next skill is to reframe things so that they can be seen from a different viewpoint. We have a tendency as humans to see things only from our own point of view and to assume that the other person sees things the same way you and I do. And we assume, we know how that word assume breaks down, we assume that we know what they're thinking and what they mean. However, if you're willing to stop and consider that someone else might see things differently from you and try to see it from that other person's viewpoint, you may understand things totally differently. Ironically, people don't realize how they already reframe things on a regular basis. For example, someone may give you a genuine and intended compliment such as, you look great today. And while you could take it as the intended compliment, if you're like a lot of people, you may reframe it in the negative mindset of, well, I wonder what they're after. Or, does that mean I usually look awful? And you have reframed their positive intent into a negative feeling and thought for yourself. Thankfully, once you're aware of the skill, you can do the opposite of that. And even if they mean something negative, you can choose to see it positively. So if someone says you're opinionated, you could be glad you have your own opinions. If they say you are stubborn, be glad you're persistent, and so on. It's a skill that can give you a tremendous power in dealing with comments in a situation that might even truly be intended to be negative. Recognize that what one person considers negative does not mean everyone sees it that way or that their viewpoint is accurate. Awareness of this skill can also work to keep you in a positive place when that negativity is intended rather than going to that negative place. Our next skill is to recognize the right things going on in your life that you can be grateful for and focus on them. I know that I was raised to be very critical and to seek out the things that were wrong and needed to be fixed, whether in myself or someone else or some situation, and I learned to be very good at it. Ironically, when we are really good at finding the wrong in others, we're generally even better at finding it in ourselves. However, we learn to find the wrong in something based only on our very limited view of things. After all, who or what is really the ultimate arbiter of what's right or what's wrong? Me? You? Your parents? Teachers? Religion? Society? With 7.4 billion people on the planet, can there possibly be only one right way to do things? Has it occurred to you, as it did to me, that if there were only one right way to do things, like to create a person, then all 7.4 billion of us would be clones? I don't know about you, but as much as I like myself, that would get really boring pretty quickly. Our Creator apparently deems all this diversity essential. So who are we to question the rightness of diversity 
or the rightness and worth of ourselves as a part of that creation. We need to learn to see the rightness and blessing in the diversity we experience in life rather than fearing it and wanting to minimize it, which is what happens for very many people. When we can also be grateful and glory in the fact that each of us is unique and then get out and explore some of that other uniqueness, that adds an incredible depth and dimension to life. When we can accept that it is all correct in our Creator's eyes, whether we understand it with our human limitations or not, we open the door to finding so much more to be grateful for. There's a fascinating book called Beyond Words, where Carl Serafian talks of animal intelligence and how animals, elephants, are so unique and individual that a woman who worked with the elephant herds in Africa had named and could recognize on sight each of the nearly 1,200 elephants who each had their own unique appearance and disposition and skills, just like humans. While I was taught to look for all the wrong things in the world and its occupants, what I was not taught was to look for the things in my universe that were good and right and positive, to look for the things to be grateful for. Rather than being grateful for electricity, for example, I would only be upset if it wasn't working right. Rather than being grateful for a washing machine that was automatic and spun the clothes, I remained upset that I had to hang them out to dry. This was in the days before dryers, of course. Rather than be grateful for my computer and internet, I could complain that it didn't perform to suit me. We have so much in life to be grateful for. We no longer have to live in caves, kill our own animals, grow our own food, make clothing out of animal skins, or take fibers and convert them to thread, to weave into fabric, to turn into clothing on our own by sewing with a needle and thread. We have cars and roads and people to drill for oil and refine it to gas, and we just pump it into our car and take off. We have indoor plumbing and running water, a selection of food and clothing and almost anything we want fairly readily available to us, often online at the touch of a few buttons. Learning to be grateful just to be alive, for the birds singing, flowers growing, and all the experiences we have in life can totally change our life. We can look at our family of origin and find things to complain about. Or we can be grateful for the things that they did give us that allowed us to live to adulthood and take charge of our own lives. And be grateful they didn't kill us despite the fact that most of us pushed them to contemplate it, especially in our teen years. This switch to gratitude has been one of the most powerful things I've learned to do to make my life better. And I have seen it make dramatic changes in a full range of patients, even schizophrenics. I frequently recommend Rhonda Byrne's book, The Magic, because it's a day-by-day -day guide to places and ways to look for the positives in your life. Ironically, as you find more things in your life to be grateful for, more good things appear in your life. When we change the way we look at things, the things we look at actually do change. The last skill is to learn to receive an adverse situation as an opportunity to learn and grow, even if it isn't happening immediately. 
As another part of changing the way you look at things, I have found it very useful when hit with what seems to be an overwhelming negative in life to turn it over to my higher power and ask what I'm supposed to learn and how I'm supposed to grow from this experience. Those things that seem to chip away at us and wear us down are also the very things that shape us, just as Michelangelo's hammer and chisel chipped away at that marble slab to give us the magnificent statue of David. Another way to think about that is when you start exercising muscles. It often hurts, sometimes quite a bit. Yet as we persist with what we are doing, we develop new skills and strengths we might not even have imagined we could have had. Although we may not have a lot of choice in some of those stresses and adversities that come our way, we do have a choice in how we receive and process it. I hope you are seeing that by taking the multiple R's approach to dealing with all of this, you can truly change your thoughts and your feelings and your life. So again, start with relaxation. That's a great way to begin this process. And even if time is very limited, you can take time for a couple slow, deep breaths to get you off to a good start. Then it becomes easier to redirect your thoughts Remove yourself from the possible cause of the problems if you need to. Refocus your thoughts to something totally different. Reframe things to be seen from a different viewpoint. Recognize the right things that are in your life you can be grateful for. And focus on and receive those really difficult situations as unplanned opportunities for growth. That last one was a hard but important lesson for me, as it is for most people. As a final suggestion of how to change those thoughts and change your feelings and your life, be open to being a shameless receiver of the positive things in your life and be constantly grateful for them. When things don't seem so positive, keep in mind that the universe is perfect. It's our understanding of the universe that is not perfect. Then focus on finding that perfection, the perfect lesson in the experience you're having. It has been amazing to me what I have been able to do as I have adopted the framework about perfection of the universe with its infinite diversity and infinite ways of accomplishing and creating things. I really hope each of you will take these few steps to change those thoughts that are getting in the way of feeling better and getting more of what you want in your life. They are steps that have worked for me personally and for many thousands of my patients. A word of caution, however. Just hearing them on this show and trying them once will not do it. You will need to make notes, replay this MP3 a few times, and then work on these skills every day until they become automatic. But they can become the greatest gift that you and the universe could ever give you. A truly joyous life. Until next week, when the topic will be so you think because we speak English that we speak the same language? This is Dr. Judy Cook wishing you a fantastic life and signing off from Shrinkwrapped. This is the EWN Podcast Network.